episode 24 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. My guests on the show today are Cynthia Treen and Allison Kaplan. Cynthia Treen is a Rhode Island-based designer and textile artist. She's worked in design and craft since her studies at the Rhode Island School of Design in the early 90s and has designed for DOSA in Los Angeles and Martha Stewart Living Magazine and Television in New York before settling back in Providence, Rhode Island in 2002. In 2010, Cynthia took a transformative year off to design and make a private commission of four hand-stitched quilts. This intensive project and her passion to share the craft of hand-stitching were the seeds that inspired the creation of her thread follower, Hand-Stitching Kits, which she launched in 2011. Her thread follower kits now sell in over 100 gift shops, museum shops, and sewing boutiques across the United States and internationally. Both her kit line and PDF patterns are also available in her Etsy shop. In addition to her kit business, Cynthia splits her time between private quilt commissions and craft product design work. Cynthia is the author of Last Minute Fabric Gifts, published by Stuart Taborian Chang in 2006. Cynthia Treen, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really glad to have you. Allison Kaplan is the founder and creative director of Kata Golda, an independently owned business in Port Townsend, Washington, that creates handmade items using letterpress printing, ceramics, wool felt, and fabrics. Kata Golda began in 1999 when Allison started making toys for her baby girl, Odette. As her daughter grew and began to draw, Allison made her a sketchbook decorated with a hand-stitched felt teddy bear and adorned with her name. It became the forerunner of the Kata Golda collection. Kata Golda has grown into a flourishing business with the help of many skilled artisans living on the west coast of the United States. The company strives to pay living wages and preserve handicrafts such as needlework, letterpress printing, hand-thrown pottery, hand-dyed textiles, felting, and bookbinding. Allison is the author of Kata Golda's Hand Stitch Felt, 25 Whimsical Sewing Projects, also published by Stuart Taborian Chang in 2009. Allison Kaplan, welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So, Allison, let's start with you. I have to confess that for years, I assumed that your name was Kata. <laughs> Do people often think that? Yes, most people think that that is my name. And most of the, when I was just solely doing the work all by myself, I was fine with going by that name. And it actually is my Hebrew name. So it is kind of my name, but, um, it's not the name that I go by, but then as more people became involved in my company and I had more help with design and I just didn't feel right about going by Kata Golda because Kata Golda just encompassed a bit as a bigger umbrella than just me. But I still get called Kata or Kata most of the time. <laughs> I would assume so. And I, my Hebrew name is Abigail Hana. My middle name is Jane. So, um, I, but I really never considered using that as my business name. So I think that was an interesting choice. And I'm wondering why you chose that rather than like Allison Kaplan Design or, or something else entirely. Um, I think a little bit of anonymity was associated with that. And I also, it was sort of an original name. It had a nice flow. I like it. I like it better than my name. Um, and that, that's why there's no, I'm not a religious, it's not a religion or anything like that. I just, I liked, I identified with it and I liked the sound of it. I do too. I think it has a really nice sound. So good choice. <laughs> so um, Kata Golda has really grown. And from the time when you were just um, making small things for your daughter 
And I just wanted you to, to sort of trace the history for us a little bit um, from that sort of genesis of the sketchbook to sort of the way the company looks today. Well, what really happened to, to me was that um, Kate's Papery, which was a big store in New York City um, in, the ni- in the 90s um, paper store, picked me up and then everyone thought I worked for Kate's and that my name was Kate and, and that I was really associated with that company. And, um, that's really kind of what launched me into a real career with this. Um, so they saw some things that you had made and decided to start carrying your line. Yes. And when they carried it, they didn't, they carried it big. They didn't carry it just a little bit. I mean, I was like in their windows and, and it really, I was incredibly busy and that's when I needed some help. And I, I really don't have a, particularly wonderful, maybe horrible business sense. So I was, didn't really know what I was, what I was getting myself into. Um, I just know that I love to make things and stitch and I liked making books and it was, it was, it was a great beginning. And then how, I'm uh, sorry, just to interrupt you. How did, how did they find that first thing? Like what, what did they see and where did they see it? Well, they actually, it was through, it was, my brother was in a business that he met this rep and then he showed this rep. He said, you should meet my sister. And then he showed this rep, this book that I made. And then that rep, who wasn't even my rep then, showed it to Kate's because she had a relationship with him. So that's how it happened. Okay. Interesting. Um, but, and, and currently now I don't, I don't work with, with any reps or anything like, like that. Um, but so, so that's really how it started. And then I became just this photo bookmaker. And as we all know, the uh, business of photo books is, is not a big business anymore, really, <laughs> with all the books that you can make on the computer. And I, I, I'm really lucky. I still, I still make them and I still have a great following. And, um, and that's really basically through my website that anyone would buy a book. A few shops have my books, but it's mostly, you know, mostly through the website. And, um, but I also just, branched out into making, to making other things because that's books are what I sold, but I made a pl- I made so many other things. So that is how, um, all the other parts of my line came to be, um, mostly with intending as, as toys or things for my daughter and her friends. And then, and that's the other way my business grew was that I made things um, a friend and I started by making little felt things and then friends would ask us to make some things and then they would ask us to make some things for their friends. And then my friend and I decided, well, if we're making things for friends of friends, maybe they should buy them. And so then we changed our kind of methods and, and created a little business. And, um, that was with a friend, uh, at the very beginning named Tracy and, um, we called ourselves Stella Odette cause she had a baby named Stella and that, that's sort of another part of it. Um, and that was making the toys. And so got known for the books and then I incorporated the toys in there too. And then my line became absolutely huge and, um, little too huge. So now I'm creating a new line, which is a lot smaller and also using a lot of, um, different materials than I've used in the past. So, so you said you needed to hire some help. You had this one friend who was working with you and then, but now you have sewists, um, who do a lot of the stitching for you. So sort of describe for us what, what your staff looks like now. 
Well, actually now I'm, I'm less because, um, I got to a point, a place where I was somehow I ended up making hundreds of Christmas stockings of wool felt and, very recently, I like the last year and the year before that, I'm like, I don't really like doing this. Like, I don't, I, I'm sort of now a, a production manager and I really like doing the stitching. So, so now I'm much smaller. I've kind of, I have people accessible to me for the sewing, but that I realized as I got bigger that all the parts of what I love to do, I was losing. And oh. so now I'm kind of going smaller again. And um, I mean, I am, I am doing a trade show, a big trade show this summer. And so there's a possibility of getting bigger again, but I, my line is much smaller and I really need to have my hand more in it than I kind of, it kind of lost, it got out of control. And in a way that when I would actually look at the things I was making and I'm like, this doesn't even resonate with me anymore. So, so that's one aspect of the way things are now. But before, when I got, um, when I got big, at, at, when I started incorporating more people into my business prior to now, it was also just looking at the people who worked with me and their skills. So I had hired maybe them to sew, but one of them was really interested in fabric dyeing, and one of them was a letterpress printer, and one of them did ceramics. And so I thought maybe I could incorporate all these people to make things for the line, and hence I become Allison again, and Kata Golda becomes the company. Um, and that's kind of how it happened. It was really just looking at the skills of the people that were working for me at the time. That's so interesting. So, um, and tell us about the the new line that you're working um, to debut at the New York Now show. That, as you described, is a little bit sort of more pared down and maybe resonates more with you. Well, it has less baby. It still has baby things in it, but um, it's. Mostly it's just less. It's less of everything. And the stitching, instead of being real chunky kind of applique, is more like using the thread, the needle and thread, to create a line as opposed to uh, and, and draw. So using the, the needle and thread to draw with is more um, of my intention with this, with this new with the new work. And then there's a lot of um, different fabrics involved, I, including some um, hemp and cotton and linen fabrics, all in neutral colors, and some of it's tea dyed, so it kind of looks, has a sort of a almost fatigued look, but just a little slightly brownish and off whitish colors. So I'm kind of changing my color palette with a few splashes of color that um, the, the few splashes are felt, but I'm using less felt. and. I love working with felt, but I also feel like I need to challenge myself and grow and, and, and try using other fabrics where I have to worry about uh, fraying edges and I have to be a little bit more accurate because when you work with felt a, a lot, it, it's easy to get sloppy for me. So I'm really, I'm really enjoying kind of the challenge of being um, much more accurate and clear and simple. So that's that's kind of the the new line now, and it has a lot of uh, things for all ages. It goes it goes from baby to to adult decor, and it's real. Yeah, it really is beautiful. It has almost um, sort of a more modern, almost sort of Japanese kind of feel to it from from what I can see. Um, where the, I love the idea of the stitching really being almost like a line drawing. So well, I really. Yeah, I really love to draw, so so it's nice to incorporate. I mean, I think that 
it, when you make the same things over and over and over again for years, I mean, it's nice to to be able. I'm like, oh, you could change your line and incorporate what you love to do now. And I, it took a while to realize I could do that. I didn't have to stick with what I was always doing, and it's been wonderfully inspiring to me um, to move in this direction of just doing what I really staying true to doing what I love and keeping things really simple. Yeah. And you know, you're allowed to change, you know, you're allowed to change in business. You're allowed to change in blogging and you know, you might not want to make a total shift, you know, completely drop what you're doing and, and adopt something completely new. And, and this is certainly not doing that, but you're allowed to update the look and, you know, you've been doing this for several years. And I think that in order to keep it vibrant and something that you're really excited about every day, you know, that's, that's gotta be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you've got some, um, classes on creative bug and I'm wondering how you like the, um, the video instruction format. Well, I love, love, loved going there. It was so fun. I was so nervous. It was so out of like my comfort zone or of anything that I've ever done. I've never even watched a video instruction before, but I, I had so much fun preparing the class, getting all of the materials together. And I, I really hope and, and for the future to get to, to teach more classes, both live and video, because I, I, it was so different from working solitary and being alone. And I just love, I love to talk and I love sharing what I do with people. And I felt really comfortable doing it. And of course I had a lot of guidance and help when, um, like where I left off and where I need to start, start up again. And, um, when they were videotaping me and making sure I was being really clear. And I, I just love the experience. I love the people who work there. And, um, I've never, like I said, I've never done anything like that before. And I've never really taught at workshops before, but I hope to do more of that. And creative bug is a wonderful company to work for. They have great ideas. They do, they do a wonderful job and, I, I, it was fun. Yeah, your video, I watched, um, you know, the sort of parts that you can see just as like a preview for your classes and your instructor preview as well. And they're, they're really lovely. And um, I really think that video is so, it's just perfect for teaching craft instruction. So I'm, I'm so excited to see sort of the future of video. Um, I think it's really great. So, um, so I reviewed your book, uh, Hand Stitch Felt, in 2009 when it first came out. Um, on my blog, I sewed the finger puppets. And, oh. Yeah, they were totally mm-hmm. adorable. I gave them to my niece for her first birthday. And um, you're working on a new book now. So can you tell us about the new book at all? Well, I'm working on actually a few projects right now. I'm actually working on sort of four books because I realized as I was working on, well, three of them that, they all, um, it, they kind of splintered into different directions and became sort of less focused. So I would take something that I felt got really developed and make that a new book. So the three, one is it is a kid's book. And I think that, and I've been working on that for a long time. And I've, I've really hesitated to be paired up with the, with the writer. I, 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 there's children's books that I love and feel, and I just love so much. That I, and I feel like I have to write the book to do, to do the illustration. So I'm working actually on one now and, um, we'll see what happens. I hesitate to say I'm working on it because maybe we'll never, it'll never be in the world, but it's fun to work on. And, um, the other three projects are, um, are craft related. And one is, um, it's, it's 
right now the working title is Mindful Crafting, and it's basically based on my on my new line. Um, so it has felt and fabric, but it has a way to, you could copy the pattern or you can make it your own and it has stories in it as well. And then the other one is about, um, it's called the thread that connects us. And it's about, uh, my mom and me. And she, um, when I was little, she had a knitting and needlepoint shop and knitting, yeah, knitting and needlepoint and cross stitch shop. And, um, so it's just about my growing up with, uh, crafters always around me and it really came to light because it's um I was looking at the things that we've made and we make a lot of things parallel to each other but completely they look completely different um like we both have made stuffed lambs and we both have made pillows and we both have made teddy bears and slippers and all these things so I kind of laid out all these things that we made to and I thought boy it would be kind of neat if that was a book of stories and patterns and um so that's what I'm working on. That's neat. Oh. What a neat idea. Like a mother and daughter sort of creative interpretation of the same, the same projects, but done in their own, in their own way. Yes. And the last one is just basically I make hundreds of things and somehow to like make a lookbook or something of all those things and kind of organize them. It's more of a catalog for myself, I think. But. Yeah. Do you need a catalog for the New York Now show? Like do you have to have, I mean, I would assume for a trade show, right? Do you need to put something like that together? Yeah, but I'm doing it differently this time. It's not, I've done some really slick catalogs before, and now I'm just doing kind of a fold-out brochure with less things, but I, I will have printed material. Mm-hmm, to bring with you there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. It's so great to hear about your background. And um, Cynthia, I, I want to turn to you. And I know that you, um, as I mentioned, worked for um, Martha Stewart. And I have to say, I'm pretty intrigued. So will you tell me more about what you did for the magazine and for the show? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, boy, I started there in 1998, I guess. Um, I had just moved from Los Angeles and, um, somebody that I worked with in Los Angeles was working for Martha Stewart. And so we connected and I started freelancing for them. Um, so I did a lot of different things because I started as a freelancer. Uh, I did photo styling, uh, for the magazine and for the catalog. And I did craft development for, um, for Martha by mail when that was still in existence. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I developed, I developed craft kits for them. Um, and I think that was sort of the beginning of, you know, my, my, the idea for doing craft kits, uh, was the work that I did with them. So I, I did a lot of extensive direction writing and, um, and how to kind of work. And, um, and so that sort of gave me the framework for the kits that I do today. Um, so can you tell us about like one of the kits that you remember most from, from the ones you put together for Martha? Yeah, um, I did the the two that I guess relate the most to what I'm doing now. I did two stuffed animal collections. Um, there was uh, they were uh, made in hair, sort of to resemble the 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 Stife stuffed animals. Uh-huh. Um, so there was a there was a there were six animals total in the, in the two different kits. I think there was a cow, a, a sheep, a um, a piglet, a duck. Um, a rabbit, and I can't seem to remember the last one. But um, anyway, it was really exciting, and it was my first time making stuffed animals, you know, as a professionally. <laughs> I, mean, I made a lot of things as a kid, uh, and it took a, it took me a long time 
to get the bodies right, especially with the mohair, because that adds a, you know, a completely different dimension to like the thickness of it changes the shape of the body. So, you know, if your pattern is one size, the body is going to look chubbier. And it took me a while to kind of get that right. But, um, but I really love the process and I love the illustration and the direction writing. And, um, and I guess I, I knew that that was, that was, um, going to stick with me. Yeah, that's so neat. And I'm, um, so that was sort of the genesis for, for, yeah. Yeah. So, so then you took some, some time off and you worked on these beautiful quilts. You, you do like a, is it reverse applique? It's a, yeah. Um, the, um, I've, I have a wonderful client that's been ordering uh, for me for several years, and they're really the only people that I do the quilts for at, at this point. Um, I, it's just not a part of my business that I advertise very much. Is it a corporate? Um, is it a corporate client or a personal? No, it's a personal client. Okay. Um, um, but it's been wonderful. I've just, I'm on my third collection with this family. Wow. Um, it's there's different branches of the family, but. Um, um, I do the, the, the batch that I described in that year that I took off, there were four quilts and they were all a combination of applique, reverse applique and, um, and embroidery. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was pretty amazing. Uh, it, it was, it was a really intense year, <laughs> a, li- a little bit like writing my, the, that book that I wrote, which was also a really intense year because I had never done it before. And, and this was, um, my first time really doing start to finish completely hand stitched quilts. So, um, it, each quilt was about four to, I mean, it was probably a little over a year, I guess it was like four or five months of like 10 hour days. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was so in, it, it was just so much time and I got so attached to the pieces, you know, but after I finished them, I felt like I really want to be, able, no one's going to see these, you know, the, the family that has them has them and like, they're never going to be out into the world. And that's, that's fine. And I don't have the, the ability to do this kind of work on my own and still, you know, buy groceries. <laughs> <laughs> if so, only, if only, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, um, I thought, you know, I really want to help people learn how to sew because I, I have a lot of people in my life. Um, I have a lot of people that come to me and want to take sewing lessons, but they often are at the stage where, you know, they're just getting to know their sewing machine. And I feel like they don't really need to learn that from me. You, you know what I mean? Like I feel a little funny teaching like the super very basic on the machine because it's like a lot of what I do is hand stitching and anyway. And so I, I thought I wanted to come up with something that was a really uh, approachable way to begin sewing something that um, just, you know, I have all these fantastic memories of childhood and these really magical memories and, and about being creative, but also about stories and characters and stories. And, and I, I somehow I wanted to blend all of those things into the kits. And, um, so hopefully I've done that. (laughs) Oh, I think definitely. Gosh, the frog. Totally. Oh yeah. Totally storybook. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so I felt like, you know, I, I have these sort of levels in the kits where many of them are accessible to, um, to children eight and up, but, 
but hopefully they're inspiring and interesting and fun for people of all ages. And, and that seems to be the case. I mean, you know, young kids really love them, but I have adults who are doing like craft parties, you know, and buying a whole bunch of them and making them over a glass of wine, you know? Um, and then I, and then I developed these sort of, you know, more, um, advanced ones to kind of keep everybody interested as they, as they grew with the kits. And so that's where the, you know, the, the, the foxes and the frog and the reindeer and, and more complicated ones in the future will, will sort of add to the line. So I have both for, you know, for youth and for adults. So, so, you know, you've got these kits and they're in stores all over. I mean, I've seen them in stores myself. And I think I mentioned in the beginning that they're in, you know, hundreds of stores. So, so who does the assembly? Like, are you cutting all of this yourself? Are you collating and combining and putting the stickers on the packages? I mean, how does this, what does it really look like? Yeah. Well, you, you know, um, it, it's basically me. I do. I have one person who helps me out who has, who's, who's amazing. Um, she has actually, she was my intern when she was in high school. Now she's I don't know, 27. Um, and, um, and she is brilliant. Um, and she comes in and helps me a couple of days a week. Um, but basically it's just, it's just the two of us. My partner's a photographer. Um, her name is Karen Philippi and, and she, um, she does all my photography. So, so that's kind of nice to have it in house. (laughs) Gosh, that is nice. (laughs) Um, um, but basically I do all the, I do pretty much all of it. I don't have the pieces die cut. So I, I, I want people to learn how to cut as well as sew because I feel like there are a lot of people who just have grown up not really being great with tools. And, um, and so I don't, I don't want to, you know, remove that from the, the learning process, I guess. So everything is, is, um, is cut into rectangles. Um, and I do all the, I do all the cutting myself. I have the, I have the printing done by a local printer who does everything with, um, water-based inks and FSC certified paper. And I've tried to use all, you know, recycle it, recycled packaging, food safe boxes, cause it's going for kids, um, and natural materials. Um, but it, it, it all happens, you know, just with the two of us. And, um, I feel like I don't want it to grow so big that it can't, I can't contain it, uh, because I still want to do other things and I don't want my life to be all about production. So, um, I want the time to do the design work. I, I want to do design work for other companies. Um, and, and I want to have time to do the, you know, the, the quilt commissions when they come in. So, um, so I try to keep it balanced and I do also, I'm, I'm really interested in growing the PDF pattern part of my business because, you know, there's no waste and people can just, get the PDF and run with it and make it their own. So, yeah, I love my PDF pattern businesses well yeah. for that, for that reason, among others. But, yeah. um, so I, I, um, I want to talk with both of you about something that I think the three of us really share, um, which is actually Cynthia, you had emailed me and you said, um, and this is, um, I'm quoting you here. I hope oh, you don't mind, oh, but here. you said, <laughs> you said, I sometimes feel like I need to apologize for the work as though, my animals are not the real work that comes out when I create for myself. Cause you do create more sort of sophisticated things, the quilts among other things. I know you've done some fine art kind of installation work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you said, and I'm quoting again, that teaching is where it's at. No more apologies. Bringing a bit of magic and stitching to kids is equal or perhaps more important than bringing sophistication to adults. And I think, 
I think what you're really getting at here, at least to me, is that you know we have businesses that are really based on whimsical um, things for children, things that are that people do as a hobby. Um, and yet they're serious businesses. And so sort of working to kind of not having to say, well, it's not really art or it's not really a profitable business or, you know, all of those things like to have to apologize for them. Um, I did a reader survey last year and one of the, um, people, it was an anonymous survey. And one of the people who answered said, you know, I like what you're doing now, but I miss the time when you used to make soft sculpture, soft sculpture birds, which I did for many years um, before I started making toys. And she said, uh, I'm assuming it's a woman. She said, um, so what about your art? And I, I felt like, but this is just as nuanced and complex. Um, and to me, it's, it is art. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to get your take on that. Allison, I'll start with you. If you have anything, any thoughts on that idea? Well, I always, I always backpedal, but, oh, I just have this little business. I, I always say things like that like, or I, because I'm not sure explaining it to people and they'll go like, oh, that's cute. Kind of. And so I, I fall, uh, I'm, I'm a victim of this as well. I do this. Um, but I also, I, I love what I do when I really just think about what I do. I love it. And it makes me so happy and it feels, it's so fulfilling. So that's almost, that's almost enough. I'm, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but, and, you know, as my new line is growing a little bit away from making things that are really, uh, that are kid oriented, I, I still love to make things that are kid oriented, but I think that my daughter is 15 and I think that what I think about changes has changed as she gets older and it's just sort of following the track of my life, what I'm making. Um, but basically I just, I need to remind myself that I feel so lucky and that I love every day of my life. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that passion is what keeps you going, you know? Um, so Cynthia, did you want to talk more about that feeling? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, <sighs> It's such a funny thing, you know, I, um, I think that, you know, a lot of people in creative fields go through this process of, um, trying to find who they are creatively and, and what, you know, what is the thing that's going to keep you, um, inspired and challenged and, um, and I, and I look around me, I, you know, I live in Providence and it's just a city filled with creative people and, um, and there's so much inspiring work going on. Um, but, you know, the truth is, you know, uh, I feel the same way. I love every day of my life. I'm totally inspired by this work. Um, it's, uh, I do other things as well. They're not as, they're not as uh, visible or public. Um, but uh, I think just really... I need to solidly be, be, be proud of this, <laughs> right? you know, because I am, it's just, you know, when I see somebody doing, you know, amazing fine artwork and showing in galleries and so forth, I think, well, I make kids stuff. I want to illustrate children's books. I want to, you know, I, I, um, you know, but it's, um, but it is 
totally fulfilling and, um, and totally legitimate uh, and totally legitimate. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) Totally. Um, and you do some teaching, Cynthia, and you've taught, um, you've taught actually at two of the local places here in Massachusetts where I teach at gather here in Mm -hmm. Cambridge and at JP knit and stitch in Jamaica plain. So what do you like most about teaching workshops? Uh, you know, it's, it's really great just being hands-on with people. And, um, and a lot of the people that are taking classes at, at, at shops now are, um, are beyond that sort of that first beginner level. And they want to, you know, learn a little more deeply into, you know, into whatever, whatever I'm teaching. Um, so whether it's applique or embroidery, um, it's just a really, it's a really nice thing to connect with people and find out what their interests are. And it's also really, really inspiring to see colors that people choose and, and the way that I learn things from the people I'm teaching all the time, which, um, but which I think I appreciate as much as, as anything. Yeah, totally. And I often end up, um, sort of adding to my patterns. Um, yeah. yeah. And editing things and, um, providing more ideas and options. Once I see the way that people work with them one-on-one, it's really, it's really neat. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Yeah. It's really cool. So, all right. So, um, I want to shift gears a little bit. I asked both of you to prepare some lists of things that you're recommending right now. And I've got uh, my list too. So if it's okay with you guys, we'll just dive right into those. And um, let's start with you, Allison. And you wanted to talk about Alabama Stitch Book by Natalie Channon. Yes, that's one of the, the things. When you said five, I, I made a bigger list than five. So, but Natalie Chainin is definitely on my list in the Alabama Stitch book. All of her books, actually. And I think she has a new one coming out, too. But there's the Alabama Studio Style and then the Alabama Stitch Design and um, Sewing Plus Design. And um, I think that just the photography in them is so beautiful. I think that the, the the pictures that show like the close-ups of the little stitches are just so inspiring to me. I mean, I think I use them more as a lookbook than an actual following the patterns and making them, making the items, but the intimacy and the closeness that's, that's visible in the books is just something I like to have open to a page when I'm working. Um, I like to page through them. I, I follow her um, blog and look at the new things that she's liking and her journal. And I just find her to be, um, very inspiring in her sticking to her materials. Um, really based on simple, um, concepts and she makes beautiful things. And it's kind of a little, I try to keep that little, um, mantra in my head when, when I'm working. So she's very inspiring to me. Yeah, I, she's inspiring to me too. There was a great interview with her on um, the podcast Thread Cult. Uh, the most recent episode is an interview with her, okay. which I found to be really interesting. You might enjoy it. Um, okay. I really enjoyed it. And um, she, yeah, one, I mean, there's many things I love about her. And one of them is that she works with, you know, t shirt jersey, which is such a, a humble material. And you know, she kind of invented this applique method with t-shirt jersey that's now really like high fashion. And I just love that. I love people who sew who don't 
feel like they have to follow the rules. They feel, you know, who can kind of say, well, what would happen if we put these two things together and then stitch them totally backward or, you know, just kind of <laughs> came up with their own idea instead of being like, well, the way sewing works is you always have to do it this way, you know? Um, so she's a real example of somebody who thought outside of that and came up with a technique that's completely her own. And I agree with you that, you know, she really works hard to use organic cottons um, and she has a, a staff of people who sew for her, who she really respects as artisans. Um, so she's, yeah, r- really cool. Um, and I've watched part of her create, uh, her craftsy class as well. And she also has a class on creative bug too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, what a neat person. Uh, good, yeah. pick. very good pick. I don't have that book, but, um, but I'm going to get it from the library. So, <laughs> um, uh, all right. So Cynthia, I wanted to talk about your uh, Japanese push drill, because I think I need this. Yeah, you have to. I (laughs) I was like, I looked it up and I'm like, oh yes, I do need this right now. (laughs) I'm a a total tool junkie, you know. Um, I just, uh, you know, when you find a new tool that you can use all the time, um, it's just, uh, it's such a treat. I mean, I I really like having tools that work well, and this one is fantastic. Um, you'll, there are a lot of them, you know, the, the same push drill is sold in a lot of different places, but the great thing about, about the one that they have available at Talus is that it, um, it comes with the most, um, screw in hole punches. So the way, the way that this thing works is that it's, uh, it's got a wooden handle and when, and you can screw in these little different sized punch drills. And when you push down on the handle, there's a mechanism inside that, twists so that you don't need a hammer or anything. And it's like no strain on your hands to use it. You just push down and it kind of like spins the drill. I mean, the, the, you know, the, um, the die that's cutting through the fabric. Um, and anyway, it's a wonderful thing. It's totally, it's, you know, it's a little pricey when you buy the tool. I think it ends up being like around $65 or something to have like, I think it's nine bits plus the drill. Um, but I literally use this tool almost every day. And can you cut, can you cut felt with it? Oh my gosh. You can cut paper. You can cut felt. You can cut leather. You can, it's awesome. It's awesome. Oh yeah. (laughs) Allison's like, I'm, I'm ordering this now. Yeah. No, that, that sounds really cool. I use, um, I use Sizzix paddle punches, which is actually a product that's now um, unavailable, although you can get them on eBay, but Sizzix no longer produces them. And they're like a little die, and then you hit it with a hammer. Mm. And they're made for punching paper, but you can punch felt, and you can punch fabric. You can, I mean, I've punched all kinds of things, and I use them all the time, and I have circles, but it also has other shapes. So like it has little hearts and all kinds of other shapes. I've got tons of shapes. But the one I use the most is the circle, and it's great great for cutting like felt for eyes, you mm-hmm. know, if you want to cut perfect felt circles for eyes, but it sounds like this would be much less strength. You have to hammer that thing like four or five times to get one circle. Oh my gosh. No, you can go with this drill. With, I mean, the, I mean, they call it a, you know, punch drill or push drill. It, um, I can probably go through eight layers of felt at once. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it comes with the, the, the bits are all I mean, I don't know why this is important, but they're, um, uh, they are metric. And so for some reason, <laughs> you know, they just, they go, 
they go down to these really, really micro fine sizes so that like if you were putting eyes onto a stuffed animal or something, you could easily punch out that hole and it wouldn't show at all, but you could, it would still be like a really tight fit for the eye going in. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, anyway, that's yeah, cool. that part of it doesn't make any sense at all, but <laughs> it's not important, but they go down to a really tiny size. Awesome. No, that's no, I think a tiny size is cool. Yeah. That's really great. Um, that's a good pick. So thank you. Um, okay. So I wanted to talk about something that's a little bit more businessy and, um, you know, might maybe not so interesting to the two of you. I don't know, but maybe. Um, so it's, uh, it's about blogging. And, um, so I just moved my blog from TypePad to WordPress. And that was kind of a big deal, but now I'm on WordPress, which I'm loving. Um, but I needed some help with a couple of things, especially setting up my shop. I have a, a shop now right on my site for my PDF patterns and supplies and books, et cetera. And, um, I wanted to set up taxes. I wanted to set it up so that you could use just a credit card for direct checkout and not have to go to PayPal if you didn't want to just, you know, a bunch of little things like that. And it was really confusing. Um, and I wasn't able to, <laughs> I wanted to be sure it was right. Cause you know, if you're taking somebody's credit card information, it's gotta be right. You know, there's security risk there. So I just wanted to be sure it was totally kosher. So, um, I'm working, I worked with this woman whose name is Sarah Bailey and her, um, company is called Spun Monkey and she's awesome. She will help you with any kind of little WordPress thing you have a problem with. Um, she can help you buy hosting. She can help you choose and install a theme. She can help teach you to use WordPress. She can do SEO optimization. She can do, um, transferring all of your followers, which she did for me. Um, so Sarah is awesome and it's, she's charges $50 an hour, which honestly she can get a lot done in an hour. And I think that she's totally worth it. And so I really wanted to recommend her because I know a lot of people want to be on WordPress or if they are on WordPress, just need a little bit of help. Um, like every so often, there's just something that's like a little bit too complex. And so she, I think she's a great resource, um, super responsive and helpful. So, so let's go back up, um, to Allison, and will you tell us about uh, this book, Daily Rituals? It looks really cool. Well, I I have to say this book changed my life probably more than anything in recent years. I this book it's by a guy named Mason Curry, and it talks about different writers, painters, composers, sculptors, filmmakers, scientists, etc., and about their daily ritual, just a little blurb about, uh, and they're pretty well-known. Benjamin Franklin is in there. Louise Bourgeoisie is in there. Myra Kalaman is in there. Um, uh, and composers as well. I, um, I just love reading about how much time they spend actually focused working because I put a lot of pressure on myself and I get really overwhelmed and I feel like you need to be able to work longer than that. And really a lot of these people had a focus of about two, two solid, great focused hours a day when they were doing their writing and their thinking. And it was really comforting for me to hear that. Like it's not possible to work at that kind of thinking pace for like eight hours a day. And the ones that were able to work eight hours a day were drug addicts. So, um, and I just found their stories really inspiring the kinds of things that they what they would eat for breakfast. It sort of made them human to me. And, um, 
how little tips like um, Henry Miller wrote that he likes, he spends two hours and that's all that he spends and he likes to leave feeling inspired and wanting to write more, but he stops himself. And certain people have times of the day where they work better than other times. And I think that I just put a lot of pressure on myself to be like much more robotic in my, um, in my days. And this book sort of allowed me to like really follow my own personal humanness and, 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 um, it's helped me tremendously. It's like therapy. (laughs) And I have pages marked that I love and I, it's a very, my, my copy is really tattered and well-worn, but I, I keep it with me all the time when I'm working. So not all the time, but when I'm working, I have it with me. That's beautiful. And I love the way that you said that about sort of feeling hum- like it's okay to just be human and to be creative in your own, on your own schedule and with what feels right for you. Not to say that you is an excuse to not work today, you know, but, but to sort of not make, cause I also am a person who puts a lot of pressure on myself to get absolutely everything done in a single day. Um, but you know, w- with creativity really can't be rushed. And I, I found that when I was working on my, on both of my books that, you know, I would say, well, I have to get this each pattern done in three weeks. You have to, you know, from design to, to finish pattern every three weeks all year in order to, to meet this deadline. And it, it was so, you know, it's hard to just rush that and say, well, you know, the penguin, it, it looks kind of lopsided and, and I have to fix it right now. And it's like, well, I have to also sort of think of how to fix it. And that might yeah. take a while, you know? I think, and it also the book, a lot of the people have really, they're really strict discipline. And I, and I like that strict discipline with kind of lower expectations of time. Expectations are small, but I also, you know, the thinking, there's so many different parts that I'm sure both of you experience in your work. It's like you have the thinking time, then you have like just the stitching, making time where you kind of have your ideas all set and you could be chatting on the phone or with, have a friend over and be the, doing the making parts. So there's so many different parts of the day and um, that this book kind of informed that as well for me. Yeah, totally. That's great. Um, okay, Cynthia, you wanted to talk about um, another tool that sounds terrific, Roxanne's Quilter's Choice Chalk Pencils, which I'm um, leaning toward getting only because my daughter is named Roxanne. So. Oh. <laughs> Well, they do have a great name, yes. but, um, but that's, that's only a small part of it. <laughs> um, I, you know, when I first started to do quilting, I was, um, you know, looking through all these different materials, trying to figure out what, you know, what were the best things to use and, and marking pencils are, um, really frustrating. Uh, most of them are either, they don't wash out really well, or m- most of them have this really crumbly kind of texture. So if you put any pressure on them, the whole point breaks off. Um, and these ones are fantastic. They're, they're really smooth on the fabric. Um, they don't, they don't, they're not as brittle as most of them. And, um, and they're completely water soluble. Uh, so they come in, they come in a silver color, which I tend not to use as much. Um, but I'm sure I'll find a use for them at some point, but the white I use all the time. And, um, and at this point, it's the only marking pencils that I that I buy because um, I probably have a drawer filled with different brands, but this is the only one that I found that I really like. Yeah, I tend to use the the pens, the blue mm-hmm. pens that you spray yep. with water, mm-hmm. but I get so frustrated because 
the mark often will sort of, it's not that it reappears, but it, it like bleeds. When, so yeah. you'll, it'll look like it's disappeared. You spray it with water. It looks like it's gone. And then, you know, the fabric will dry and then it's sort of, it's still di- it like the outer edges still have some blue pigment and you have to spray it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, they're, fr- they're frustrating. Um, and so, so th- I, I, I've used those pens too. I've used them in all their forms and the, you know, there certainly are applications for them. And as far as like a second alternative, I would say that those, those are definitely it. Um, depending on what you're doing, the ones, the air soluble ones that are pretty great. If you're doing something, you know, not for marking embroidery or something that you need to stay on the fabric for a while. But, um, if you're just marking something that you want to disappear, they really will just disappear. Like they just kind of evaporate and, um, but they don't last that long. So if you're, if you need the mark to be there in 20 minutes, um, you, you might want to use something else. Yeah. And I've been using, um, somebody recommended the Frixion pens, which are not mm-hmm. actually a, a fabric pen. They're sold at Staples and an office mm-hmm. supply, but, um, but they, uh, they disappear with heat. So you can just iron over it. Um, and those are cool, but they do, the mark reappears apparently when it gets cold. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's, it's really hard. And I've found from a lot of my students too, they feel sort of, um, you know, frustrated because they, you know, you go into a store and there are 20 different options and they have no idea what to buy. Yeah. You know, and, and there aren't really, I mean, I, you know, it's like, if you do research, there are definitely reviews on things, but there are a lot of, good, I think there are probably a lot of good reviews on things that I wouldn't give good reviews. <laughs> <to>. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Like whose review do you trust? Exactly. I know. Um, anyway, you know, the point is that, um, yeah, we, re- we you trust your review all to figure it out. Yeah. We trust your review of the Roxanne's yes. author's choice yes. chalk pencils. So, um, okay. Uh, just a tiny little aside, yeah. um, back to that, um, really wonderful book. Allison was just talking yeah. about, um, I, I have heard about that book too, and have been wanting to get a copy. I haven't picked it up yet, but I did read a few reviews of it that had little tidbits, um, you know, sort of about some of the things she was describing. And I wanted to add this one little, um, something that I, I'm trying to think of the name of the movie now, but it was a movie about, um, about a poet and a, and, and his, and his girlfriend. Um, and there was this one, this one description of, um, of the poet and, and another, uh, friend of his working and, and they, and one of them said, you know, just because it doesn't look like we're working doesn't mean that we're not working. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that can be said about a lot of creative people. Um, you know, I mean, we have these, you know, possibly a few intensive, productive hours a day where we're, you know, really creating. But I'm thinking about creative things when I'm cooking, when I'm sleeping. I mean, I often close my eyes at night and spend the fir- like an hour before I fall asleep just considering things and, and solving problems, you know? Um, and, and if I'm lucky, I wake up with a solution. Absolutely. So, I think of yeah. some of the best ideas I've had, creative ideas I've had, I've thought of in the car, driving the carpool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shuttling kids from one place to the other. It's like my mind just sort of wanders in this passive way. And all of a sudden I have a great idea. Yeah. It's like when you don't have pressure, you can think about things mm-hmm. and your mind wanders into the great areas. I, 
I have a terrible memory, so I always have a little notebook with me, and I keep a notebook by my bed because even if I say to myself, "Oh, you'll remember this," and I try to even make some little trick in my mind to remember, I don't remember. I remember I need to remember something. What <laughs> it was, but I. So I always just even a little. Sometimes it can just be a word, and that'll trigger the memory. But I need to write something down, and I think that a lot of people have this experience. Like it's just just write a little word down, just to remind yourself what you thought about because. I sometimes, like when I'm cooking, I have a little notebook next to me and if I want to write some word down to remind myself because, yeah, creative things don't happen when you're sitting there deciding, I need to be creative now. Yeah, yeah. right. It's that feeling of being rushed almost or like having a deadline. It's it's hard. It's, you know, it's one thing to sort of have a deadline for something you're writing or, you know, if you're writing pattern instructions, for example, you know, I can see that having to be done in a deadline, but but the sort of creative problem solving um, I really feel like it comes to you at, and you need time, you know, you mm-hmm. do, you need time to mull it over. Um, so, so Allison, I wanted to make sure that we hit, um, this next one, which is Marcel, the shell with shoes on the video that I love more than anything. I watch it all the time. I love the little voice. I don't know if, if either of you ever seen it. Yes. No, <laughs> oh, I'll have to watch. You have to watch it. It's short. The vo- his, the voice and the randomness, and I'm just so mad at myself that I didn't write that. I mean, I just love it so much. He's so, I, I, I even talking about it, I'm going to do it a disservice. Everyone should watch Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, yeah. And so this he, is this is an animated short, and it's a little anthropomorphic shell who has one googly eye and um and this sort of signature childlike voice. I don't know what else to say except watch it because I don't want to ruin like some of the, the great little tidbits that he says. Like he, you know, he says, do I, do you know what I used to write with? Do you know what I used to do this? Do you know what I used to do that? And I don't, it's just in the voice, the whole package, you just watch it. Yeah. So it has 30 million views on YouTube. I'm just going to oh. say that. And also I think, um, Allison, you might like, uh, the woman who voices Marcel is named, oh. Jen, uh, her name is Jenny Slate and she actually co-wrote, uh, that the video with her husband, like she came up with this voice and she would kind of talk in it. And her husband was like, we should make a video of this and kind of came up with Marcel and made it and she voiced it. Um, and she now has done other things. Um, she's in a couple of movies and things, but there's a great interview with her and she talks about how they came up with Marcel and the whole story about it. And it's, I'll link to it, but it's on, um, Bullseye, which is another podcast. So okay. anyway, <laughs> I listen to a lot Thanks. of podcasts. So yeah, she- I, I love a podcast list and I actually acquired a <laughs> podcast list from listening to your podcast. So, um, because oftentimes I mean, and some, someone that I was listening to, I was kind of binge listening to your, um, podcast when I was on vacation with my family and they were out mountain biking and I was binge listening. And, um, but I, I felt so comfortable and happy to hear all these people talk a little bit about like doing, being lonely and like really finding comfort in listening to the podcast because they were like really felt connected to these people and they weren't like famous people. They're like real people. And, and when I was listening to yours, I felt that way. And I was so, I felt so fulfilled. Yay. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Um, okay. So Cynthia, we have time for one last pick and it's yours. Do you want to choose? Oh my gosh. I know there's so many, you have three excellent ones. I feel sad that I don't. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll have the links up for yeah, them. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, uh, well, 
we're kind of on the tool thing. So I'm just going to stick with that. Um, but, but say that, um, Everybody should check out uh, Casa Clementino, which is an amazing natural dyeing place in Italy. And um, and this my most recent listen, People of the Book, is amazing. But the, hmm. the scissor collection um, at the French Needle, uh, it's a it's a an online shop, and there they have some scissors that are all handmade uh, by an artisan in France, and they are the most beautiful artwork I have ever seen. Well, you know. They're just amazing. They're all, um, some of them have um, pictures of, like the handles are sculpted to be um, like foliage of trees. Some of them have animals built into the handles and they are absolutely beautiful. They are, um, they're just totally on my wish list, um, but probably will be for some time because they're about $500 a pair. (laughs) But they're really worth looking at and enjoying. This is like an artisan tool, you know? Yeah. 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 Which I imagine, you know, when, when we do get a pair many years from now, um, you know, it's one of those things you, when you use it, every time you use it, you just Mm -hmm. love it, you know? Yeah. There, I feel like, um, I've tried, you know, I, I, um, when I got my first apartment in New York, um, my mom came to visit and she was so distressed. She was like, there's not a chair for me to sit on. I was like, well, I don't want to get a chair until I get a chair that I like, you know, (laughs) I don't want to get a chair because whatever chair I get, I'm going to be stuck with for a really long time, you know, and we did finally get her a chair to sit on. But, but that's sort of how I've felt my whole life about, about the things that surround me, you know, um, um, granted I do have plenty of scissors, but, um, but I really love to have things that I enjoy using because it makes the the work process really wonderful too. So um, anyway, so eventually I'll, I'll, I'll upgrade my, um, my little trimming scissors to these many yeah. years from now. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll love them every single yes. time. So it'll be worth it. Um, okay. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I feel like I've learned so much from both of you and um Allison, where should we go to find you online? Well, you could go to my website, uh, katagolda.com, and I have an Etsy site as well. Um, but I'm right in the process right now of a new website, so I'll have an all-new Etsy shop, an all-new website, all-new blog. My blog's a little bit hard to access right now because we're transferring over, but by... Um, by August 1st, everything will be new. So, But in the meantime, those are the best places to, to find me. That sounds great. And congratulations on getting a new site. I know how much work that is, but it's totally worth it. So, um, so that's great. And, um, and where can we find you, Cynthia? Um, well, uh, my website is, is threadfollower.com. And you can find me also on Facebook and in my Etsy shop. Uh, and those are both Cynthia Treen Studio dash Thread Follower. Uh, but if you put in Cynthia Treen Studio or Thread Follower pretty much anywhere, I'll pop up. Awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. You've yeah. been listening to the While She Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I invite you to visit my blog, whilesheenaps.com where you'll find helpful information for creative entrepreneurs, as well as tutorials and patterns for making stuffed animals and dolls. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much and see you next time.